0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real with me, your host, Torvald, and me, your other host, Leif Eric. So, today we're going to be talking about Flight of the Navigator. The Flight of the Navigator came out in 1986. Uh, it was directed by Randall Kleiser. He directed Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Blue Lagoon, and Grease. What? Yeah. Blue Lagoon? Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: I know. You know, the, the Blue Lagoon parody in Top Secret, right? Oh, dude! (laughs) Yeah, that was a really good, good parody,
0: and also completely out of place, out of left field. (laughs) Like, what the heck? (laughs) Speaking of writhing body parts, Randall Kleiser's first directing job was a little title called
1: Orgy Beach Party
0: in 1964.
1: (laughs) Which okay. So I'm starting to get a vision for the trajectory of his career. Right, it's, He started in porn. He did. And then he elevated to Hollywood porn, which is Blue Lagoon. <laughs> okay. Basically porn, but and then they to, released it in theaters. To musicals, and then now Greece, that he was a Hollywood director, movies. right, he could get other types of jobs. And he was like,
0: I guess I'll do a family film. <laughs> now, this is very interesting. Max the Robot. I think maybe we knew this, but Max the Robot was voiced by Pee Wee Herman, by Paul Rubens. Well... He does a good job at doing the serious voice. He did. Like, I mean, and that's the thing is Paul Rubens is actually a good and prolific voice actor. Like he's done lots of voice acting and just a little sci-fi connection. He was also the voice for RX 24, which is the robot tour guide on Disney's Star Tours. So that's cool. He's got his own place in the Star Wars universe and he voices robots that fly ships.
1: (laughs) That's what he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. So fly to the navigator. It's about this spoiled rich kid in... Is he a spoiled rich
0: kid, though? Like, he didn't seem, like, obscenely rich or anything. He's just a. They have their own boat. It's like a
1: speedboat, dude. I mean, come (laughs) on.
0: (laughs) They're not rich. They're just
1: middle class. (laughs) I don't know. They live in a really nice house that is literally right next to the ocean. This is the 80s, dude.
0: 1978
1: is when it starts. So, yeah, maybe they weren't so rich back then. But uh, now it's just like, oh, yeah, sure. You're just living right on the beach, huh? (laughs)
0: Well, um, I and mean, then when he's older, they're living in kind of like a slummy credit
1: right, house, cause Right, because they spent all their money looking for him. No, they
0: did. What, what could they have spent their money on? Like, did they buy a helicopter? <laughs> what do you think they did? <laughs> I
1: don't, it doesn't matter because it's all a dream anyway. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> um, enough. <laughs> spoiled rich kid. He goes out to look for his brother. He falls down a hill. He hits his head. He wakes up in 1986. Okay, he's I just been missing. Ask. So
0: this kid, he lives next to the ocean. He also lives next to like a freaking jungle with a giant ravine. It's like um, a jungle with like vines. <laughs>
1: like they have some overgrown foresty areas. Okay, I don't know. All right, all right. You get I on don't... with your 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 plot. So he's going to find his brother. He falls down a hill. He wakes up and he's he's in the future. He's just been missing this whole time. And then Which, I gotta say that's a cool plot point, right? Like. No, that is cool. Like I everything like that. about like, this movie had... was fun until
0: a certain yeah. part of the movie.
1: <laughs> like if they just start like that, it's just it's like this weird, unexplained mystery, yeah. right? Like some kid disappears for like eight years, comes back, he's the same age. I gotta
0: say though, probably not a good choice starting off the movie with three solid minutes of dogs <laughs>
1: catching frisbees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, so in this movie, NASA is the fbi basically Dude, yeah right like... <laughs> we'll get into that <laughs> but anyway so nasa has a spaceship that they found and it turns out this little boy is somehow connected to it and then he ends up getting into it and then they fly around and it steals his brain for a while it brings him back home it in steals the past. his brain forever <laughs> <laughs> right well that's true <laughs> my theory is that none of that happens like with many of the theories we do Return to Oz Phantasm. This is another, it was all in his head theory. Um, you know, the popcorn isn't real. So you're saying everything after he fell in the ravine, boom, it's all in his head. Yeah, basically. Did mm-hmm. he die? No, he did not die. He brings back an alien. <laughs> okay, see, we'll get to that. Don't okay, worry. Okay, good, <laughs> we'll good. talk about the alien. Great. Okay, so there are two interesting things here. It was all a dream in his head because he has head trauma. He fell down a hill, head trauma, he had this strange dream, and then he wakes up right back where he left off. In that same ravine, he comes back to his family, right? So the movie supports my theory. One thing I will say, though, is that no matter what, this has to be a prophetic dream because he prophesized 1986 (laughs) really well it's exactly 1986
0: (laughs) except also with like some robots and like you said nasa's the fbi
1: so maybe that's a theory for the whole it wasn't a dream side of this it's true he did
0: he did predict uh twisted sister
1: the band (laughs) yes he did I'm just going to go through some points when he is at NASA's facility. So NASA takes him to the facility to study him. NASA also has this UFO at his facility in the future. When NASA found that UFO,
0: a NASA security car drives up. (laughs) What the heck? Like, I didn't know NASA necessarily had a security division, but I mean, I understand if they do... But shouldn't they be securing NASA's networks and stuff, (laughs) not driving around investigating spaceships?
1: (laughs) What's going on? Perhaps because NASA was like, I don't know, a newer thing, uh, and the people writing it like writing these movies, like you know, they remember like the moon landing and all that stuff. NASA seemed real like a really big deal, and so they just equated it to robots and FBI. Dude, I gotta say that gigantic, clunky, stupid-looking
0: robot was nowhere near as <laughs> slick and, and cool-looking as I remembered it. <laughs> like that is that is a dumb-looking robot. <laughs> it delivers mail, like that's all it does, and yet and, it's huge. Yeah, there's it's, no it's reason huge. to have that. Robot. And it has like. <laughs> It can't do anything. No, right? it needs Sarah Jessica yes, Parker. She has to, to be with it to pull robot. things out of it. It's a useless it's, robot. It creates a, a job. A it doesn't do anything. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. could just pull a cart. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Uh, but they knew who their demographic was, right? They yeah. They knew it was little boys Dude, who like robots. I loved that robot when I was little. <laughs> When he is in that facility with the robot, at one point, uh, I think when he wakes up, he says, He's hurt. He's calling me. Yeah. Now, I think this is interesting because the boy is the one who was hurt. And I believe the ship is representative of the boy's brain. Right. Especially if you look at the ship, it looks like like a brain. And also, the ship needs his brain, right? Like, to work. (laughs) The ship is his empty head that has been hurt, right? Because he got head trauma. no, And it can't work without him. He is the consciousness that it needs.
0: Well, and like, first of all, a ship in its normal form, it looks exactly like a brain. You're right. And I didn't even notice that until you said it. But also, yeah. as the movie goes along, the ship deforms. Which his brain may have done when it got hit. (laughs) Sure may have. (laughs) Dude, that's pretty
1: interesting. I did not notice that. That's good. Another interesting part of this movie is that his family is really happy to see him, but of course they have aged. And his younger brother is now his older brother, which I think is kind of fun. That is fun.
0: I, I thought that was a really cool dynamic, a really cool thing to put into the movie. Even as a kid, I was like, well, that's weird. Like, What if I woke up and I was
1: suddenly your older brother? <laughs> but one thing his brother does say to him is he says, you're probably the only sane person in this place. Now, this is actually what most alien abductees tend to think, Yeah. that they're the only sane person and it's all a conspiracy against so them, you're but saying really his brain is it's all in their bad. head. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. At one point he wakes up and his brother is near him and his brother says, it's just a bad dream. Which I think, you know,
0: <laughs> is referring
1: to the movie itself. That's good.
0: You're saying that his brother is both like his grounding to reality, trying to tell him it's a dream, but also his grounding to unreality, telling him you're the only sane person here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe he's just part of his brain that's, that's uh, trying to, trying to convince him, him that he lucid? needs to become sane, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's stay okay. lucid. So interestingly enough, at one point... They bring in, I think it's some weird printouts of some weird code and they bring it to the NASA director and he's like, where did this come from? And the person says, from the mind of a 12 year old boy. (laughs) The entire movie is in the mind of a 12 year old boy. That
0: scene was really weird because why all of a sudden is this wireframe of a spaceship from David's head suddenly being printed out at NASA and presented to Dr. Faraday, which, by the way, really cool name. (laughs) Dr. Faraday has no idea where it came from and wasn't expecting it. When they printed that out from his head, they're doing some tests on him. And I think this goes along with your theory pretty well. They've got a bunch of stuff strapped to his head and they're analyzing his brain waves. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of weird because why are they even doing that? Like all they know is that this kid disappeared for eight years and came back. Why are they specifically interested in
1: his brain waves? What they say about his brain waves when he's he's like communicating with the spaceship and they say he's transmitting in alpha waves with complex frequency patterns in them. And so, alpha waves. Dude, they're actual brain waves, which I was like, good job, good job,
0: movie. And they say they're coming in at 12.8 cycles per second, which means 12.8 hertz. And that actually mm-hmm. does correspond okay to brain waves, as far as I could tell yeah. online.
1: And one thing about alpha waves is they are brain waves that happen. I mean, they happen at different times. And it can be while you're sleeping during REM cycles, it can also be. During uh, when you're like your eyes are closed, but uh, you're just not really thinking about much at that moment. Okay. Um, which, of course, maybe that's what an unconscious mm. person would be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty um, good. Also, they think that uh, alpha brain waves are related to uh, mistake prediction, and so they. Thinking like he's thinking about the mistake of falling down. Right, a cliff. the mis- <laughs> Right, he made a mistake of falling down a cliff, and I think maybe he's transmitting an how alpha brain. How could this waves. kid possibly know that?
0: <laughs> like, how could he know about <laughs> alpha brainwaves to insert well,
1: it into his little delusion? Right, right. I think part part of this is in universe explanation. I also think part of it is the writers. Okay. Giving us little hints yeah, that's that true. it was all in okay. his head.
0: So you're saying this is the writer's telling us. Yeah, this is more of a meta is clue. Is having an episode, yeah, right? Than an
1: in universe clue.
0: Yeah. Cool. No, that's pretty good. One thing about that, what exactly is a complex frequency? And what do they mean he's transmitting? <laughs> like, what are they talking about?
1: <laughs> right.
0: I don't <laughs> like, think it really Why did makes they put these brainwave analysis things on his head if they weren't expecting anything? <laughs> so in that same scene, the there's a nurse guy he's staring intently at David through a window he glances and I mean this is a literal like glance down to your right and then look away like it's like if you if you thought you saw a shadow and you look and then it's nothing and you look mm-hmm. away right like it's a tiny glance at a computer screen then he announces he's communicating directly with the computer in binary code <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what I- do they mean by this And how could he have known that from that little tiny glance (laughs) at the computer? (laughs) Like, I mean, do they mean that the EEG is reading his brainwaves and interpreting them in binary? Because that's kind of the point of the program, (laughs) right? (laughs) Or have his brainwaves somehow broken out of the analysis program and begun giving commands to the computer? Because that's pretty cool. Like th- that would that would imply that he did something like maybe a stack overflow or something to to break out of this program, and that's uh-huh. interesting and kind of sort of realistic. I think it was two or two years ago. Some some people, uh, some DNA sequencing researchers, they built a device to sequence DNA. They created a artificial strand of DNA which could be injected into somebody, which when sequenced would perform a stack overflow glitch on this machine to break out of its analysis protocol and start executing commands, which I thought was super (laughs) cool. Like, they literally hacked this machine with DNA. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) they just did it to prove that, hey, we need to have security measures in everything, even DNA sequencers. Because what if like some organized crime unit purposefully gets somebody caught t- to have their DNA sequenced to inject code into your DNA sequencers. Like, that's pretty dang cool. And, you know, it could happen with brainwaves too. Like, if, if his brainwaves transmitted certain information in a certain way to this computer that it wasn't expecting, they could possibly put some, some commands into the memory of this computer, which would then be executed. A simplification of how stack overflows work. But either way, even if that's what he did, how can this guy possibly recognize that immediately? Like, it should just look to him like the computer is doing random stuff. How does he know that David is communicating directly with the computer in binary code? <laughs> like right. Anyway,
1: I just thought that was a really interesting thing for somebody to announce. <laughs> and one more line they do say, I think while they're looking at all the different star charts that they find in his head, they mm-hmm. say, oh my God, this kid's head is full. Yes. <laughs> um... Which I think is another, just another reference to his brain (laughs) and the fact that it's damaged. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole Um, point
0: of this movie is that his brain is damaged, right? Like even in universe. (laughs) Here's, uh,
1: I think, a really compelling evidence for it was all in his head. So he is at the NASA facility and there is a a two-way mirror that the guards can watch him through in his room. Yeah, And he goes up to it and he starts screaming at it and banging on it. And he says, I want out of here right now. You think I don't watch television? And then he says, wake up. Now he says all of the above as he stares at himself in the yeah. mirror. He's literally yelling at himself to wake
0: up. So you think <laughs> that he didn't know there were guards behind that mirror. <laughs> he was no,
1: just yelling think, at himself. <laughs> I think this is another m- more meta clue. Like, Obviously, maybe the explanation is that he thinks the guards behind the mirror are sleeping. And that's why he's saying wake up. But, okay. other, but I, yeah. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for him to just shout wake up right after you think I don't watch television. No. Right. Like that's weird. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exactly follow. I think that line was inserted in there as another hint to tell us that, hey, this kid is unconscious because he, he fell down up. into a ravine. Yeah. Okay. That's cool.
0: Uh, when he first arrived at NASA and they show him to his bedroom, it's it's full of, like, toys and G.I. Joes and stuff. And I was always very jealous of this scene as a kid. I was like, man, why can't someone show yep. me to a room full of cool toys? <laughs> like That would be like my dream come true. But I yep. thought it was really funny. The only things that Dr. Faraday feels are cool enough to point out to David are the remote control wand <laughs> and a cap that says NASA. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. There's like toys and electronics and all kinds right. of cool stuff. But he's like, look at well, this the guy... remote and a hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the guy writing the script probably didn't know all the things the prop department would fill the room with. It's
0: true. But I mean, I just thought it was funny that out of all the interesting things in that movie, <laughs> he picks like the most banal things, like the least interesting things he could have picked. And also yeah. interesting David loves that hat like he takes it and wears it all the time (laughs) like it was interesting to him (laughs) dude by the way when that hat gets eaten could that not be representative of something kind of like taking a bite out of his head (laughs) <laughs> right. right. Well, the
1: Max, the spaceship literally says that could have been your head. Yep. Uh-huh. And this kid like has barely survived and probably could have crushed his whole head. But, yep. you know, he's only got <laughs> a little bit of brain damage. There you go. Um, That's what I thought. So, right. So David gets to Max, the spaceship. So that robot takes David to the spaceship.
0: I don't know, You'll have to tell me what you thought. But I know that I thought as a kid that Sarah Jessica Parker had sent Ralph to pick up David and take him out. Yeah. Because he just had a conversation with her about how he's trapped there. Also, wow, Sarah Jessica Parker. like He's like, hey, I'm trapped here. I'm supposed to go home, but they won't let me. And she compares this kid literally being held against his will... To her dad moving to a new base when he got new <laughs> orders. She's like, you think you got it bad? Right. Every time my dad moved, I'd have to make new friends. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> right. Sarah but Jessica like, Parker, jeez.
1: <laughs> to her credit, though, she does help him escape. Yeah,
0: but did she, though? Because watching it now, <laughs> it seemed very clear to me that the ship sent Ralph to pick up David. He calls to David and says, get in the Ralph unit when it entered the room. <laughs> Well, Sarah Jessica Parker, for the rest of the movie, acts like she helps. Yes, him. that's the thing. She acts very <laughs> conspicuous. And I think in our version, like we had a version that was like taped off the TV. I think we couldn't hear the, the computer talking to David during that scene. Because I don't remember hearing anything during that scene. I just it's remember possible. the robot coming in. He looks at it and then gets into it. That Ralph unit then takes him to the building housing the alien spaceship and they just let it in. What yeah. possible business could that robot have in that room? <laughs> like delivering why, a little boy? <laughs> why is it authorized <laughs> to
1: go in there? <laughs> there's, there's no possible reason that that robot could need Those to ever people, go in there. Well, they don't have cell phones, right? They can't text each other. Like They need a way to send messages to even people in that building, you know? Yeah, but that robot is a bad way to send
0: messages. It needs someone to come with it to take the messages well, out of also it. Also, like, them to if
1: you. all it does is deliver, like, letters, it doesn't need to have a compartment large enough to no. David.
0: I mean, I guess it delivers food, and I think that's why it has that big compartment, so yeah. it can have, like, multiple trays of food in it. But, I don't know. Okay.
1: Anyway, wow. I just don't anyway.
0: understand why that ship would need to get into the UFO room.
1: So, we've already talked about how the ship is shaped like a brain. Yeah. Um, also... So, the brain is powerful, but it needs a consciousness to give it commands and control it, right? Just like this ship is powerful, but it needs David to give it commands and control it. Yes. Also, when he gets inside the ship, Max tells him, your species uses only 10% of your brain, so we filled it up with star charts to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. And then he says that he crashed and his star charts were erased And I think that this is kind of like he purposefully equates the brain being filled with star charts, then talks about how his star charts were all erased. I think that's saying, like, erasement of star charts is equal to memory being erased, right? Brain being damaged, stuff like
0: that. When that ship starts taking off, or like when they, sorry, they notice the ship is open, the guards then say, like, they pick up the phone and say, seal all doors. Activate penetration recording. (laughs) Activate all radiation surveillance consoles 1 through 20. Switch control monitors to automatic. (laughs) None of that meant anything. (laughs) What's penetration recording? (laughs) Why are we activating that? (laughs) Sorry, I just loved the... Quote unquote techno babble that they have these guards yell because I, I couldn't derive meaning from any of it. <laughs> None of it was any sort of security lingo. I mean, penetration is yeah. like you can be a penetration tester, but that has nothing to do with what's going on here. <laughs> I thought it was very irresponsible of the Phalonians or Trimaxians. I don't know what they are. They're from planet Phelonia, but they're called Trimaxians, I guess. It was very irresponsible of them to kidnap a random kid from another planet and then just be like, hey, how much can we put into his brain until it explodes? (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. what kind of a test is this? <laughs> this is just a horrible way to derive any information. And why do they need to right. know that? Well, unless they're like, hey, we can they... use humans as storage
1: devices. <laughs> it's because they actually represent an accident that happened to him. <laughs> they're yes. just a mean force <laughs> that's damaging his brain. <laughs> he got one of the aliens from the a place called the Pixar Elliptic. Yep. Which I think is weird because Pixar didn't even exist back then.
0: No, they just, they probably just picked a random cool sounding word. Just like Pixar did when they named their company.
1: Okay. So my next, and I think one of the biggest evidences is at one point they are trying to go back. So they're trying to get back to David's house. David doesn't know how to get back to his house. Right. The max blames it on David, not even knowing how to like get to the gas station or something like that. But like he lives in a new house. Of course he wouldn't know how to get to his new house that where his family now lives. (laughs) No, anyway. um, So anyway, at one point they stop by a convertible full of like kids who are listening to music and they ask them for directions on how to get where they're going. And I just think it's interesting that the lyrics that play on the radio when they are talking to those kids, the lyrics that we hear is a song and it sings Trapped in My Mind. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay. So just a quick question. How likely is it
0: that? that song was purposefully picked, not only that, but that it starts playing at a specific part of the song to send a message to the audience. How likely is that? Like, it's a background song in a scene. Do you think anyone yeah. would actually
1: look that deep into it? Or would they just be like, hey, we got the rights to this song, so play it? I would say it's extremely likely. Well, I mean, as a filmmaker, that's what I would do. I mean, I've, so I've been a writer, but I've also been an editor and an audio editor. You don't pick portions of songs for no reason everything you do you have a reason for
0: right, right? because that song and, would have been added in later like it probably right, wasn't yeah, playing during the
1: scene no it right? wasn't they didn't have it uh, you know they they definitely dubbed it in later yeah right you, you choose it for a reason and it's playing trapped in my mind when this kid is literally trapped in a spaceship that looks That's like, like, like a, a mind. giant brain <laughs> yes <laughs> so <laughs> i feel like that is not a coincidence so as it turns out this song is actually called Trapped in My Mind, and it was composed by David Kittay and Guy Moon, and it was performed by David Kittay specifically for this movie. A full version of the song does not exist. Only this one little snippet that says Trapped in My Mind. <laughs> Someone wanted was, tell, was sending us this message, Trapped in My Mind, as this kid is literally trapped in a brain-shaped spaceship. And the song that they could have gotten if they just paid for one was The Cure's A Man Inside My Mouth, which supposedly Trapped in My Mind is an obvious parody of that song. Wasn't obvious to me, (laughs) but um, I don't know that song. But uh, regardless of whatever A Man Inside My Mouth is, they changed the lyrics to Trapped in My Mind. And that 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 is a deliberate choice, and I think... I think that, you know, David Kate talked to Randall Kleiser. Randall Kleiser told him what the film was really about. And so David Cattay wrote and performed this song.
0: That's that's uh that's pretty interesting. I think that's good evidence.
1: And then anyway, so David goes to his home, he's able to find it because his brother shoots off fireworks, which is actually the same box of fireworks that David had in his room Whoa. eight years previous. Why they kept around eight-year-old fireworks for that long, I don't know. But his brother shoots off what looks like bottle rockets, but when they explode, they're definitely aerials. (laughs) Yes. And also like
0: it's an artillery, like it shoots off multiple of them. (laughs) I mean not not, never when we see it up close, but whenever we see it from the navigator's point of view, it's it's shooting off fireworks like crazy. Also, dude, David's brother is so freaking
1: cool. He's so dedicated. He's like... Dude, he's a very good brother. (laughs) He's like, I'll burn down the whole house if I have to. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's a... Even if this is all in his head, I think that his brother is a good character, right? Because he's been feeling guilty. Dude, David loves his brother.
0: (laughs) He sees his brother as like the ultimate hero.
1: Well, he sees his brother as feeling guilty for causing his accident, right? And needing to make up for it. Yeah. Right? right. So in in David's mind, it's his brother's fault and his brother's got to make up for what he did. That's true. And he does, you know, he really comes through. Max did the mind transfer with David.
0: And then immediately mm-hmm. starts talking and acting like a complete idiot. At which yeah. point David says, you sound just <laughs> like a human. <laughs> <And> <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which he does not. No.
1: Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Do we have to discuss that part? Because that's where the movie, gets, where really movie gets horrible. That's where the movie gets horrible.
0: Because it was a fun movie it's right like up until It's like unwatchable then. Then. It at that point. It gets unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. David was not in any way a silly or crazy or spastic kid. No. It's like. He was a serious kid. It's like kid.
1: your main criticism you had of Shazam. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was Shazam. Like, Adult Shazam acts nothing like Kid Shazam. Kid Shazam is, he's like a very... A brooding... Yeah, brooding, like, low-key kid with lots of problems because he's like a foster kid and has had a rough life. Whenever he's Shazam, he's a crazy kooky. I'm a kid. Oh, let's make funny jokes and sing right. about lightning <laughs> with my hands. What an
1: adult <laughs> would think to do if they were pretending to be yes. a kid.
0: <laughs> and uh, did you have any reason that Max would act like that? Like, does that represent anything?
1: I, you know, maybe that could be just Max's brain just going crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's, he's breaking down at this point. <laughs> like yeah. Jinx from Space Jam. <laughs> When he gets back to his house, his family want him to stay, right? But the thing is, he's still eight years in the future. And he says, if I stay, the scientists would treat me like a guinea pig for the rest of my life. And I think that what he's saying is like, if I stay in this ravine, in this coma, I'll be like at a hospital for the rest of my life. Right. Okay. He needs to come back. He needs to wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. right. (laughs) But like, I'm just saying like, he doesn't even know he's still in the ravine, but like he's in a coma. Right. And if he stays in the coma, you know, doctors are going to treat him like a guinea pig for the rest of his life. Yes. Well, so they go back in time. Now I think just visually when they go back in time, it's interesting that what they fly through is like a black, plane above and below and a bunch of little electrical neurons going between them yeah i think it kind of looks like you know how you might depict the neurons of a brain (laughs) also he sees into the robot's head he sees its brain which
0: is boiling (laughs) it's just a boiling (laughs) brain bubbling and (laughs) fizzing and frothing (laughs) like i thought that was interesting anyway Dude, that robot is so irresponsible. Like, he's willing to potentially vaporize David for no reason. Like, (laughs) David can live in the future. This could kill him. Like, why is the robot even willing to go along with this?
1: Uh, After they go back in time, he wakes up in the same ravine. And he just gets out of it and he goes and he meets his parents and they go on the boat. They don't know that he has had an injury, right? He doesn't tell (laughs) them. He should tell them. (laughs) Like that was, that was no joke. (laughs) And then at the very end, he still has an alien on his shoulder and I think, or in in his his backpack. Yeah. And I think this represents the fact that his brain is still very damaged because he did not get any treatment. (laughs) Okay. So did he die or did he wake up as we saw? Just like an hour later or less. He woke up as we saw. It was okay. all just a, uh, uh, you know, brain damage hallucination. Okay,
0: cool. I mean, I think this is very different from other theories that you say might be all in their head. Like this is nothing like Return to Oz or uh, Phantasm. I think there's really good evidence. Like we know that this kid fell down and got hurt. And he wakes up exactly where he was to begin with, you know. And then after he gets hurt, everything's weird and doesn't quite make sense. And there are a lot of references to brains and brain damage, (laughs) right? And then, of course, like you said, he wakes up in the exact same place at the end and goes back and things are just a little off. I think that there is really good evidence that this kid hurt his brain (laughs) and his brain is trying to tell him that. So that's yes. good. I and mean, it's a good theory. And I think it takes a movie which, unfortunately, became a very bad movie towards the end. Yeah. And mm-hmm. makes it more interesting. <laughs> it makes it more watchable. Everything
1: related to NASA in this movie makes zero sense. No, it makes no sense. <laughs> I think it's like it came from the mind this kid of a ten-year-old <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. No, it's
0: a good theory. I think it's really interesting.
1: All right. Well, this has been The Popcorn Isn't Real with me, Leif Eric, and my brother Torvald, and we are signing off. Music for this episode was provided by Christine, and we'll see you next time.